When we are going through a dark time, when the unrighteous and ungodly are getting away with their wrongdoing against us, it can seem like there is no hope, that our lives are hopelessly lost to the great wrong being perpetrated against us. Coming up, the great reality that God and His righteousness always triumphs. Next on Daily in Christ. Welcome once again to the Daily in Christ podcast. I'm Mark Van Oos. Well, we are in the midst of a very timely and encouraging series titled, God's Prescription When Life Isn't Fair. And that prescription is what I call the 3773 prescription of Psalm 37 and Psalm 73. Today, part five in our series called, The Hope of the Righteous. And we'll be looking at Psalm 37, verses 34 through 40. You know, as I was praying about and preparing for this series, uh, there were examples of godly people in the Bible who came to mind, who were viciously persecuted by the ungodly, and who, through God, triumphed, while those who persecuted them were eventually cut off by God. Let me share with you those examples that come to mind. I'm thinking of Joseph. Do you remember the son of Jacob? God had given him visions and favor, and yet his own brothers hated him. In fact, they plotted to make it look like he was killed by a wild animal left in a pit to die. And then he was sold to slavery. And then he was falsely accused of wrongdoing, even though Joseph acted in godly integrity and purity. And then he was forgotten in prison. But here's the rest of the story. Joseph, in the book of Genesis, was finally exalted to the position of prime minister of Egypt with a God-given vision and plan. You see, God used that situation in Joseph's life to rescue his family from the, and that, from the famine that was going on and preserve the family that would become the future nation of Israel and the future lineage all the way to Messiah Jesus. That's the case of Joseph. Now consider the case of King David. He had been anointed by God as the king. And yet for 17 years, King David suffered horribly. He was persecuted by King Saul, who tried on multiple occasions to murder David. Even David's own family persecuted him. And for quite some time, it looked like the wicked in David's life were getting away with their wrong. But at last, David was vindicated and eventually he was crowned as king. And not only that, but again, God used him and his line redemptively all the way to the Messiah, King Jesus. Now consider the case of Esther. Esther 
lived in the time of the captivity when Israel was under captivity under Persia. And through God's favor, the Lord promoted Esther to queen in a pagan land. Meanwhile, her godly relative Mordecai was persecuted by the evil Haman. Haman conspired to have not only Mordecai killed, but also all the Jews, including Esther. And yet in the midst of all that, Esther found favor in the sight of the king. And she made the case in defense of her people against the wickedness that was being plotted against them. And God moved in vindication in the life of Esther and the Jews through the king's edict that issued a proclamation of protection for all of the Jews in the kingdom. And not only that, it also came about that that vile, evil, wicked Haman was executed on the very gallows that he had constructed for the execution of godly Mordecai. We're looking at godly people who suffered persecution at the hands of ungodly and wicked people. My next case is Daniel. Again, living in the time of the captivity, this in the time of the Babylonians, living in a pagan land and a pagan kingdom, and yet he did not walk according to the ways of that ungodly kingdom and lifestyle. Instead, Daniel sought God in prayer diligently three times a day. And he was persecuted by the ungodly. They plotted to have the king issue a foolish decree against anyone who dared to pray. And that was actually a trap to entrap Daniel simply because he sought God and having him exterminated. So the decree fell against praying Daniel. And you know the story. Daniel was thrown into a pit with ravenous lions. And yet, God delivered Daniel. He was with Daniel even in the lion's den. And he delivered Daniel from the mouth of the lions. And the king, when he saw what had happened, the evil plot against righteous Daniel was so angry that he threw the evil ones who had conspired against Daniel into that same lion den where they were dead before they even hit the floor. And then how about the case of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? These were three of Daniel's friends, again, living uh, a godly lives in a pagan man-worshiping culture. They refused to commit the great sin of idolatry by bowing down to a massive 100-foot idol that King Nebuchadnezzar created. And we see there in Daniel chapter 3, it says this, beginning in verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. Now remember, Nebuchadnezzar was so angry against them, he created a very hot, fiery furnace to incinerate them. And they said, God will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, 
Let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. Again, that's in Daniel chapter 3. And we know what happened, right? They were thrown into the fiery furnace. In fact, that furnace was fired up seven times hotter than it normally is. It was so hot that the men who were throwing them into the flames were burned themselves. But instead of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego being burned alive, the king observed that he could see the three of them walking in the midst of the flames, and a fourth man, too, was in the fire. I believe that was the Lord Jesus Christ. And they were delivered so much that they didn't even have the smell of smoke on their clothing. These are examples in the Bible. Joseph, King David, Esther, Daniel, and then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who lived godly lives. And in that moment in time, it seemed like the unrighteous and the ungodly were getting away with murder. And yet, God prevailed, and they were delivered. They were vindicated, and in fact, the judgment fell against the wicked who plotted against them. Now, with those powerful biblical examples in mind, I want to take a moment before we go to Psalm 37 again to seek the Lord in prayer. Father, I thank you so much that you are the God of all love. You are the God who is the God of all righteousness. Lord, we, none of us, deserve your goodness. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But I thank you, Lord, for your gift of righteousness that's received by faith to anyone who would believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Father God, I pray today that you will take your word in Psalm 37 once again, and that you, by the Holy Spirit, would enlighten our understanding. Turn the light on that we may see the glorious truth of you and your word. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Now let's turn to God's word, Psalm 37, beginning in verse 34, which reads, Wait on the Lord and keep his way. And he shall exalt you to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, you shall see it. Now, the first part of that is wait on the Lord. You know, this is so key. And and we see this all over the word of God, waiting upon the Lord. What does that mean? Well, fundamentally, waiting on the Lord means trusting God. You know, I remember a situation that happened to me a number of years ago. I was working in Christian radio, and we were in the midst of our fundraiser called Sherathon. And that can be a very uh, hectic time. It's important. And uh, in this particular situation at the radio station, I was um, the primary person that was on the air, and I was manning the controls in the control room. Meanwhile, our uh, director Uh, of our ministries, Gary, was in a neighboring studio where our phone operators were, and he would be giving reports, and we would be talking back and forth. Now, there was studio glass that was between us, 
And I don't remember exactly what was going on, but there was a situation that arose and there was a little bit of tension that was growing between he and I. And so we finished being uh, a little bit on the air and we went to the music and Gary reached over to the phone and he dialed up the intercom to my studio and I picked it up. And Gary said something to me that I felt was so powerful and so godly and I will never forget it. And remember, Gary was my superior. He was the leader in our ministry. And God had placed him in that leader posi- leadership position, not me. And I'll never forget what Gary said. And I could see in his eyes, he looked a little heartbroken. He said, Mark, won't you trust me? And in that moment, it was like, oh my. And I said, Gary, I'm sorry. I I don't mean to do that. And he said, I understand. But he said, look, I need you to trust me. And those were powerful words. You know, given our current cultural situation that we're facing here in the United States at this time, when I'm recording this in February of uh, 2021, we're facing some very vexing situations. And I remember I went out for a walk And I was kind of pouring out my heart to the Lord. And, you know, the Lord told me the same thing. He said, Mark, won't you trust me? And really, trusting God is at the foundation of our relationship with him. Trust is a relational term. And trust is something that we're able to do with a person who has integrity, a person who has uh, faithfulness, a person who carries out what they say, and doesn't that describe God? And I want to say, dear friend, that when we're in the midst of crisis, when we're especially in a situation where it just seems like, why is this person doing this against me and my family, and they're getting away with it? Or why are these wicked people doing what they're doing in my country, and they're getting away with it? In the midst of the whole thing, God is saying, child of God, don't take matters in your own hands. As it says earlier in Psalm 37, Don't fret when you see these things happen. Don't be envious of the wicked. God is saying, won't you trust me, child? God is worthy of our trust, dear friend. And this also involves trusting God's word. That's why it's so important to be in God's word. But more fundamentally, not just in his word, trusting God and his word. It says, wait upon the Lord. Here's what waiting upon the Lord means. It means not running ahead of God. It means not insisting on doing things my way. And it often times means waiting. Waiting on God to move. Waiting on God's timing because we trust him and we trust his word. It says in verse 34, wait on the Lord and keep his way. That part, keep his way, happens when we trust in God. When we do that, we do keep his way. When we trust in God's word, we keep his way. And when we wait upon God, 
we keep his way. You see, trusting in the Lord is the first part, and the inevitable consequence of waiting upon the Lord, which again is based upon trusting God. The inevitable consequence of waiting upon the Lord is that we do keep his way. And here's the wonderful result of trusting God and waiting upon him. It says this in verse 34, and he shall exalt you to inherit the land. Notice, God is the one who lifts us up. God is the one who exalts us, not we ourselves. And meanwhile, it says, when the wicked are cut off, you shall see it. You know, right now, it may not seem in your situation that the wicked are getting cut off. In fact, it seems just the opposite. They're getting away with their evil. And yet God says we will live to see them cut off. Praise God. He wins. Let's listen to verse 34 again. Wait on the Lord and keep his way, and he shall exalt you to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, you shall see it. Now verses 35 and 36, it says this, I have seen the wicked in great power and spreading himself like a native green tree. Yet he passed away, and behold, he was no more. Indeed, I sought him, but he could not be found. Now here it is again, this repeating theme that we see through Psalm 37 and all throughout the Bible, that it may seem for the moment, like the wicked are doing really well. In fact, here in verse 35, they're described as having great power and spreading themselves like a native green tree. In other words, growing up and out like something that fits right in. But remember, that's only temporary. That's only what we see in the temporary here and now. What ultimately happens is the wicked passes away, and behold, he was no more. Indeed, I sought him, because, but he could not be found. So the wicked are perhaps here today, but gone tomorrow. He dies, and then no one even remembers him. Look at verse 37. Mark the blameless man and observe the upright, for the future of that man is peace. God is telling us, check out the blameless and upright man. See, he or she, the man or woman or the boy or girl, has a good future of peace. Boy, that's a loaded verse, isn't it? We can be tempted to feel, why should I bother walking godly when I am being persecuted and mistreated all the time? Meanwhile, this wicked, ungodly person over here is, oh, they're living the high life. That theme comes up, by the way, in Psalm 73, and that's coming up next in our next episode. But the reality is the apparent temporal prosperity of the wicked is just that. It's temporary. God wins. God prevails. 
And God says, look, check out, mark the blameless man and observe the upright. I mean, look at that person over there. It says, God is saying, and God is not a man that he should lie. He says, for the future of that man is peace. Boy, talk about a good future, a future of peace. Meanwhile, look what happens to the ungodly. Verse 38, but the transgressors shall be destroyed together. The future of the wicked shall be cut off. Here again is this theme that's repeated throughout Psalm 37 in the Bible. It it seems that the wicked are prospering. But remember, friend, that is very temporary. The transgressors, it says, those who transgress against God and his ways shall be. Do you see how definite that is, how the language of God is shall be. This will definitely happen to them. What will happen to the transgressors? They shall be destroyed. There is no escaping God. Hebrews 10.31 says, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And then it says in that latter part of verse 38, the future of the wicked shall be cut off. Here again is the theme that we see. The future of the wicked being cut off is that of sudden disaster and ruin. I'm remembering Psalm 37 verse 2 where it says, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass. Remember what I said It's easy to cut grass. You could cut grass with scissors. Meanwhile, the righteous are described as oaks of righteousness. How hard is it to cut an oak tree? Well, you can't do it with a pair of scissors. It's a lot harder. And the picture here in verse 38 is of the wicked is of one where their life and their life supply are suddenly cut off and they're left to die. They're abandoned. They're forsaken. Indeed, there is a certain doom of the wicked unless they repent and turn to the Lord. And that's what we need to pray for. We need to pray that that person would come to their senses by God's Holy Spirit, that they would see the truth, that they would repent and turn to the Lord. When you're dealing with a situation like this, it's important to pray for those who are misusing you. In fact, the Lord Jesus said in Luke 6, beginning in verse 27, but I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who spitefully use you. To him who strikes you on the one cheek, offer the other also. And from him who takes your cloak, do not withhold your tunic. You see, someone might hear those words of Jesus and go, oh, that's impossible. He doesn't know what I'm going through. Well, you know what? The Lord Jesus also said, with man, this is impossible, but not with God. With God, all things are possible. And believer, the Lord Jesus Christ The same one who said those words in Luke chapter 6 is living inside of you. You don't have the ability, but he does, to love 
your enemies, to do good to those who hate you, even to bless those who curse you, and to pray for those who spitefully use you. That's the powerful love of God that can break through. And dear friend, remember, they won't be getting away with it for long. Eventually, it catches up with them. That's why we need to pray for the merciful intervention in the lives of that person that is even persecuting us. Back to Psalm 37, verse 39. But the salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their strength in the time of trouble. Man, that is so encouraging. It says that the salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. Salvation in the Bible means deliverance from harm or evil. This is another frequent theme throughout the Bible. Salvation, deliverance, comes from the Lord. It doesn't come from ourselves or any other person. In the midst of our difficulties, we need to confess and speak and say the truth. God, you are my deliverer. You are the one who saves me. I look to you and I trust you for deliverance. And then it says, you know, the salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. And I mentioned this uh, before. This is Lord in all caps. And what that means in your Bible in the Old Testament is it refers to the Hebrew tetragrammaton, which is the uh, name Yahweh or Jehovah. It means the great I am. And when God is saying Lord in this way, it means he is the great I am, speaking of God as our source for all that's good. And it speaks that God is our strength here in verse 39 in the time of trouble. God himself is your strength. You go, I I don't have any more strength for this God. Thank God he's in you and he is your strength. What an incredible infinite supply of strength that God is for us, even in the worst of trouble and crisis. Again, verse 39, but the salvation of the righteous is from the Lord, Jehovah, the great I am. He is their strength in the time of trouble. And finally, wrapping up Psalm 37, in verse 40, it says this, and the Lord, again, that's in all caps, Jehovah, the great I am shall keep them and deliver them. He shall deliver them from the wicked and save them because they trust in him. You know, our situation may be that the wicked are doing a very great wrong against us. And the situation may seem so hopeless. We may think that our future is doomed. But God intervenes in a blaze of light through his true word and by his spirit. And he himself, the Lord Jehovah, lets us know that he is our sure help and deliverance. And he is the one who will surely save us. And this will certainly happen as we put our trust in him. You know, as we're wrapping this up right here, And next time we'll go into Psalm 73. It occurs to me that we can hear the message that we need to trust in the Lord. We need to wait upon him. We need to put our faith in him. And we can feel 
can't do that. That's too hard. That's true. In fact, it's impossible, dear Christian friend, in and of yourself. But you are not believer, born-again believer, living in and of yourself. No, the Lord Jesus Christ is alive and living in and through you. Colossians chapter 2, verses 9 and 10 says this, verse 9. It says that all the fullness of the Godhead dwells bodily in Christ. In other words, all of the Father, all of the Son, and all of the Holy Spirit dwells fully in the Lord Jesus Christ. And listen to Colossians 2.10. It says, and you are complete in him. That connects the dots between the infinite supply of the Lord Jesus and your need being met. And oh, by the way, dear friend, the Lord Jesus Christ is not in heaven, you know, looking over the balconies of heaven at your situation. No. In Colossians chapter 1, it tells us this mystery which has been hidden through generations now revealed to the saints. This is in verse 27. That mystery which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And then in verse 28, the Apostle Paul, inspired of the Holy Spirit, says, Him we preach. You see, the answer always is Jesus. So, dear friend, you don't have to toughen up and straighten up and square your shoulders and you know, work really hard to trust God more, work really hard to wait upon Him, work really hard to keep the way of the Lord. No, 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 no. In fact, in the midst of the your weakness, you're really in a prime position for God to move. Weakness that turns to him and trusts in the Lord to help you, to deliver you, to save you. As it says in Psalm 37, verse 40, because they trust in him. Well, in our next episode, we're going to be getting to the second part of the um, prescription that God has when life isn't fair, what I call the 3773 prescription based on Psalm 37, which we've walked through during these five episodes. Now we'll be turning to the second part, which is Psalm 73. And in many ways, Psalm 37 kind of lays the truth foundation for how our lives should go when uh, we're dealing with a situation of great unfairness where it seems like the wicked are triumphing against us. Psalm 73 becomes much more visceral. It's a first-hand experience of a righteous man who is persecuted, throwing up his hands, saying, why am I even bothering to walk holy when they're getting away with it? But we'll find out what God revealed to the psalmist in his presence. Let's pray. Father God, I'm so grateful that you are King and Lord of all. You are indeed God. And Father, I take great comfort in knowing that this universe that we live in, both the righteous and the unrighteous, this universe is not the devil's universe. It's your universe. You created this universe, the entire creation, and it runs 
according to your ways, according to your laws. And so, Father, we know that as we endeavor to look to you, trust in you, put our hope in you, keep your way, Lord, by your grace, you move and you enable us to find the victory. Lord, we do take a moment right now. I realize, Lord, that my listening friend is going through something very, very difficult. And the way seems so dark. And it seems so unfair. It seems like there's no hope. Father, I pray that through the word that we have shared with them, that they will have hope rekindled in their heart. May they reach out to you in the darkness to your word and put their full trust and reliance upon you. Father God, we also want to pray for those that are acting unrighteously, that are mistreating the righteous. Father, they are caught up with the deception and lies of Satan. That's what's really going on. Lord, we recognize, as it says in Ephesians chapter 6, that we war not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers in high places. Lord, we recognize that our enemy ultimately isn't this person who's persecuting us and mistreating us and treating us so unfairly. Our real enemy is Satan himself. And Father, I thank you that your word says that Satan's days are numbered. You will prevail, and we rejoice in that certain victory. Father, in the meantime, we do pray for those that are mistreating us. Father, we don't curse them. We actually bless them. Father, we pray that you will move in their lives in such a powerful, personal way by the revealing enlightening work of the Holy Spirit that their eyes would be opened and they would see you and your way of righteousness and they would turn from their sin and sinfulness in full trust and obedience of you. Father, we pray may they believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. My dear friend, there are people, many people that are going through very difficult and unfair situations, people you know in your own life. And if that's the case, would you please do them and me a favor? Would you let them know about this series on the Daily in Christ podcast, God's Prescription When Life Isn't Fair? We have information at our website, dailyinchrist.com. Dailyinchrist.org. Dear friend, always remember that this podcast is available on all of the major podcasting platforms. So check it out. And uh, even if you don't know what podcasting is, we have an article on our website that talks about what podcasting is. It's actually very simple and how you can easily and automatically receive the latest episode of the Daily in Christ podcast. That's over at our website, dailyinchrist.org. I'm Mark Van Oos, your host on the Daily in Christ podcast and your teacher from God's Word, the Bible. 
And always remember, dear friend, what it says in Psalm 34, verse 8, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Music